my shoulder hurts weirdly. What from? From doing, from putting together Legos, I think. What? Are they like the giant Legos? No, I think it was just that I was staring at something in a weird angle. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of just, I don't know, like the muscles in my shoulder just like hurt. You're old, Molly. I know, right? I I somehow hurt my chest running. Huh. Like I've I think I've read it before. Like it's nothing serious. It's like just a muscle in your chest that can happen from running. And what's crazy is like I've been running forever, but I think I've been going on these longer runs. And so I think my body's now just like, what the fuck are you doing? Dang, that's crazy. We weren't built for this. I can't believe I, yeah, I, I was not built for running. So I do not run. Gotta do something these days, man. I'm ready for this, uh, this hot girl summer. Oh, sure. Sure. That we were supposed to have last summer. Yeah. I don't, I guess it's weird. It's still weird to think about like actually doing things and going places. I'm not mentally in that area, in that space yet. Oh, we've been. We've been having family discussions here, talking about when we're going to book things and get going. It's just crazy and wild to think about, and I'm glad we're alive and our listeners alive listening. Thanks, listener. I hope you got your hope you're on the list to get your vaccine. I'm getting my second one up coming up here in May, and I'm really, really excited about it, but also kind of apprehensive as you might imagine not apprehensive in the like i don't want to get the vaccine in the oh my god what am i going to do when i can go places <laughs> welcome to sex with ghosts i'm bridget Here with my trusty side companion, Molly, and we are doing part two of Luther Blissett this week. Very excited. So if you haven't listened to part one, please do. We cover the group coming together, their hoaxes, child sex trafficking, neo-nazis in the woods and today we will talk about where they're at now yeah in 1999 they decided that would be the termination of luther blisset as we know it i've read that there's speculation that they knew from the beginning that this was a five-year sort of art project but much like the same same way that they speculate the origin of the name, I've also read that there wasn't necessarily a clear end date when they had initially started this group. Yeah, I, I could believe that. I would imagine it's kind of maybe in the back of some of the members' minds, but no one says it out loud kind of thing. Yeah, like when you're dating someone and you know you're not going to marry them. Yeah, that was always an interesting choice. Hey, that's what you're supposed to do in your 20s. Sure. Date date around. Get to know what you like, what you don't like. Date someone you don't like just to see how much you don't like it. Yes. I mean, I, I totally agree with that. But I do think that eventually you should probably cut the ties. Yeah. Don't lead anyone on. Please have honest discussions with your partners. So that's what Luther Blissett must have done. And they decided, like everything that they've done... That they're going to go out in a spectacular fashion. And in this case, I feel like you you probably will say this correctly because you've been to Japan. And I'm sure it's a hot topic there. But I'm going to try to say this word. Seppuku? Yeah, that's, that's a good pronunciation, I think. Thank you. Which means suicide by cutting the belly. Sometimes it's referred to as a harakiri. And it is a Japanese ritual done. I don't know why I didn't write this. Is it samurais? I believe so. And I believe there may have been some seppuku in our 
candy heist episode as well, but I cannot recall. Oh, yeah. I feel like that sounds familiar for sure. Check that out. So on September 6th of 1999, they released a, a press announcement of the group's suicide, which I will read some of that here. Many subjectivities of the Luther Blissett Project Italian columns have decided to greet the new millennium by committing sepiku, a ritual suicide. Suicide is the practical demonstration that Blissett gives up mere survival as a territorial identitarian logic. Suicide is the ultimate and most extreme take to the bush of this folk hero. We are not advocating nihilism or relinquishment. Rather, we are choosing life. Seppuku is not the course of action. Luther Blissett is a name that anyone can keep adopting also after the next New Year's Day. There are countries where the fight has just begun and we surely hope it goes on. The seppuku is not the end of Luther Blyset. It is the beginning of a new phase, a new way of using his face and his name. For those who will commit it, Blyset's suicide will consist in giving up that signature and moving on to new conflicts. It is quite the contrary of what usually happens to suicides. They don't go any place while their names are more oft mentioned than before their death. As Zhuangzi reminds us, the perfect man has no ego, the inspired man has no works, the wise man has no name. And as the matchless Cary Grant once put it, it is better to leave a minute earlier leaving people wanting more than rather a minute too late when people are getting bored. I got to say, that's, that's a pretty good goodbye. I think so. Especially the part about uh, the, well, uh, actually, it's all good. The Cary Grant quote is obviously a brilliant way to end it. But I think at this time, what they're saying, if, if you got bored listening to me read that note, is they are saying, you can use this. This is still a tool against capitalism and fighting fascism, but they are not the ones who are driving the ship anymore. Yeah. Would yeah. you say that's accurate? I think that's a good explanation. So the same time that they had done their seppuku, they also published a book. And this book led to a 2018 article by BuzzFeed implicating that Luther Blissett somehow connected to QAnon. Um, and that is because their book is called Q, and Q in the book is about a 16th century spy working under the government who's reporting to the Roman Catholic Church under the pseudonym of Q. And so... Online users, I believe it was first 4chan, this kind of became a thread that this would make sense if this was just like a joke on the boomers. And it turned out because of the similarities between the book having this high ranking official going under the name Q, telling secrets. It's very much like the QAnon verse, right? You have this guy leaving supposed breadcrumbs on 8chan saying he's a high-working government official and that he has these inner secrets to what's going on. And the BuzzFeed article is pretty terrible because <laughs> they they not only kind of implicate Luther Blissett in this article, but they also don't really clear up that they actually contacted Luther Blissett and did send them like a formal interview, which I believe you could find Luther Blissett's response to that interview, the Wu Ming website, which we will talk about here shortly. And they have the full answers of what they actually told BuzzFeed at that time. And whether if it was just like clickbait or whatever, I feel like in the BuzzFeed article, they didn't clear up 
this and what's what's aggravating i guess about that is that in the luther set hoaxes they always take credit sure yeah and the person they talked to within the luther set group made that clear like if this was us we would have said it and they also made a point to say like this is also going on for so long that this is like beyond a hoax. <laughs> like yeah. real damage had happened at this point that that's not like a Luther set MO. I totally agree. I don't, it does not sound like Luther Blissett MO at all. And also I, I haven't watched the documentary, the Q documentary, but it does seem like, is it possible that the guy just took it from that anyway. Yeah. So you watch the the Q doc that came out on HBO that we talked about last week. It's definitely clear to me that Luther Blisa is not involved. Right. But yeah. I have been thinking that like the the person that gets implicated in that documentary very much would I think have access to the Q book. And this person also is more of a it's a computer person who is international. Mm, yeah. And I feel like being an international person, you would have likely crossed the cue book in your whatever, your internet conversations and your travels than the average American. Because like I'd never heard of this cue book until recently. Right. And that was from doing research on this. And that kind of blew my mind because I have read anarchy literature and a lot of socialist literature and i feel like in the american word of that luther bleese said is not talked about enough that was a working organization i mean however successful they were were not i think they definitely made a statement and definitely have some very interesting thoughts and theories on how to fight fascism Sure. I think this is going to be a theory of mine. I feel like American, at least for the last 15 years, 10 years, I don't know, any sort of, I don't, I don't think Americans are just, I'm just a terrible person. I, I, I'm trying to figure out how to say this like nicely. Just say it. We can handle it, us Americans. I don't think Americans have the nuance to understand Luther Blissett. That's what I think. Well, and this is, I don't know how relevant this is, but um, so this is kind of the thing that me and my partner talk a lot is like, what was going on in the 90s? Like, especially, okay, so what recently brought up this conversation was Nancy Pelosi's response to George Floyd was so bad. And we were talking about like, how long has she been a politician and been telling these speeches? And her speech was so tone deaf on this matter that then we're joking around like what happened in the 90s like she's been around through the 90s and this was what she came up with and then we talked about it some more and the key difference between the 90s and now is the erosion of our social programs so all of this stuff that's going on like Police brutality has always happened, right? Mm -hmm. And discrimination has always happened. Mm -hmm. But there were specific social programs in place that didn't necessarily solve even those problems specifically. But I think it created a sort of perception that we're all doing okay. And now from Reagan on, this dismantling of all those social programs, we are feeling it in the 2000s. And it's just escalating because we're not rebuilding the programs like we should be. And so you have people living longer who are suffering from all kinds of things from, you know, poverty to homelessness to, you know, you name it, it's a problem. And you have all of that compounding right now. And so it feels like politicians don't even know how to respond because everyone's pissed off. You know, it's not just like a small group of people that you have to placate. It's every single person. And when you come off that tone deaf, it's like having a megaphone of dumbness. Sure. I, I agree with what you're saying. 
I was kind of thinking more along the lines of, I mean, I totally agree with that part, but I think separately kind of parallel I think the idea, like the ideas that Luther Lee set having no, okay, tell me if I'm wrong, because I might be kind of skipping ahead a little bit. There is there, did we talk about how the group is like, yes, it defies categorization, categorization. I think that that's kind of where I was coming from, where I don't believe Americans understand that concept like if you're a socialist you're a socialist and that's like all you are and and i think that's why that the movement as a whole may have passed over a lot of americans because if it's not labeled x then i don't care because i'm x so i think that's that's part of it so we go back to the 90s when all this stuff was happening and we haven't felt the full force of losing our programs then you have something coming in saying like we're a socialist movement well as far as what's going on in states we don't have like these sort of problems you're talking about you know people still have coal jobs still people are working like there's a lot of factory jobs that now just don't exist because we've outsourced it this was actually before outsourcing right right. so like that that movement i don't think it affected americans the same way it affected European states. And so because when the book came out, it was a hit like all over Europe. And when it came to the States, it mostly got bad reviews. And I think that's because we're that was like sort of like the golden age almost of America, where people thought that they were like pretty liberal and we're we're fighting for gay rights and we're coming out of this satanic panic and people are still have some social programs if they need things. And then, so like this book coming in saying like, you got to fight the man. It's like, well, the only thing that's really happening in the United States is more of a culture war than workers being fucked over at this time. And then as corporations, of course, Citizens United happens where corporations are now the voice for the people. And we're having slowly, you know, minimum wage stalls and people working overtime and the treatment of these corporations treating the workers badly, it's not something we've seen to its maybe fuller fruition until now because of between the erosion of what was available to us socially and the growth of what's happening in those corporations. So that's why the nuance is lost, I think, because America thinks it's doing okay. We don't need to revolt. The people who are saying we need a revolt are like a handful of Gen Xers that want to get high. Like as a whole, I don't think Americans are thinking about a revolution in the way that we definitely are now. Like I think if Luther Bleset happened now, I think it would have a much like I think it would have a greater American following than when Lisa happened in the late 90s, if that makes sure. sense. Yes. No, I I totally understand what you're saying. And that I mean, it just it seems I just don't I don't love the idea that people are well, I I think it's a couple of things, right? It's like we we thought we were fine for a long time. And especially as a white person from the Midwest, all my life I was told if I just went to college, there would be a job for me. Sure. And that's not the case. That's definitely right, not right. the it's, case. No, it's not. And I think when you're in these times, like now, for instance, in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of we have so much filming of cop brutality. It's fucking bonkers. And I think it's the right combination of why are so many people without the things they need? And we have this visual, this visibility, I want to say. Sure, sure. And so like that combination is definitely making people more accountable for those convictions. Because I think the same convictions existed in the 80s and 90s. Right. That's yeah, that's what I'm saying that there should be no matter what the situation is. I think there's there's a couple things going on. One, there's legislation going on that the average layman doesn't understand and they don't have to understand because the average white person is usually minimally affected by that legislation. 
and until they start taking away jobs. And then what was the issue there? They closed down fossil fuel energy making plants. And instead of saying, well, we could replace most of these jobs with a green initiative, which we literally could do, instead of thinking about investing in that, what we did instead was stalled on that legislation and then made it seem, and this is the the narrative of our our enemies. The narrative is, you know, America doesn't care about you, doesn't care about your coal jobs. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. This is what the liberals want. And it's like, no, liberals want us to pivot that focus into other ways that right. can literally advance our society. Right. And we won't do it because instead of focusing on how economically that would help everybody, we're going to make it into a a culture war and we're going to make it into yeah, yeah. about values which then is a whole other level of it keeps classes separated. And that's the problem, you know? It's like really dealing with classism here and all this gatekeeping from the average person to be able to just afford basic stuff. And we sell them their debt back to them. <laughs> so we're keeping them in debt. It's the, it's the banks, it's the billionaires, it's the corporations that have a stronghold right now. And that happened over a great amount of time. It wasn't overnight. And it's also the flaws of a two-party system. You know, it's like, well, I can only vote Democratic or Republican. And then especially in these more recent Democratic primaries, how like fine tooth people have been going through both in where government officials are getting their money from, what these PACs really stand for who's funding them and how they're actually voting on the Senate floor and why. And you're seeing like, oh my God, we let, we just elected the guy who's getting paid by credit card companies to be our president. He refuses to clear student loan debt because he is the debtors, the daddy, the, the guys who are creating debt. He's their pony boy. <laughs> If that makes sense. I feel like maybe I'm really off the rails now. No, no, no. That to uh, that made sense. Um, I'm just trying to think of a way to like be like, well, and so we do this to fix it. You know what I mean? But it's never that easy. And that's, you know, that goes back to like why, why I want to do a Luther set episode. It's like these are these are people who already existed in the zeitgeist who created tools to fight fascism. And I don't want to go too much into the critique of the group, but there's definitely at the time when they were doing members were doing interviews, for instance, like some women artists of the group did an article for a feminist magazine. And the feminist magazine was like, well, why is the name a gendered, like a male gendered name. Like how is that progressive? And the article I was reading about the artist was like, yeah, I hadn't considered that. And I think even in the 90s, early 2000s, you would see that and you'd probably think, well, like, oh, they're being really nitpicky about the movement. But then, you know, the way we've explored, you know, the gaps in genders and the gender the whole gender thing in general. It's like, well, actually, that's a very valid point. Why is it right, a gendered right. name? You know, how progressive can you be if you're still subscribing to binary normals, sees or like that? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think you just made a point, but I am on your same wavelength. Yeah, I mean, I guess the point I'm trying to make is like, there's not a lot you can do for what's happening now in our American-centric universe. But what we can do is pay more attention, you know, be aware of what's going on around us, take the extra step to support causes and donate money and put some time in, vote, actually just fucking vote, <laughs> like... You know, we, I think we as Americans have sat on the sidelines for too long to the point where some things that probably were a small problem are now, you know, like the great analogy you hear, our house is on fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's talk about how the Wu Ming Foundation 
talk about this? So, I mean, yeah, the Wuming Foundation, which we'll talk about here soon, is kind of the new Luther set, so to speak. And they did tweet out, but like I said, they also did this interview with BuzzFeed. But they were also tweeting out like we're wa- like we're aware of these similarities. Wait, so it was Wu Ming that responded to this BuzzFeed thing? So not that it matters, but I'm right, curious. I'm kind of using them interchangeably. Oh, interchangeably. Okay, okay. Just curious. Yeah, I think that them tweeting out the similarities, BuzzFeed kind of manipulated. Like, oh, is that them? I see. Admitting that it's them, but you can't really confuse those two things. Like just acknowledging that you're aware that something is similar to something you've done in the past or created right? Yeah, does not yeah. make you the villain. No. And they were also confronted about this on the QDoc, which was interesting because they completely blurred out the person's identity that they were talking to. They talked about like what their feelings were on the book and the the QAnon movement and the interview is pretty similar to everything else that they've posted, which is like very similar, similar parallels, but it's not us, which I still recommend everybody watch that doc. So you have something here about not Luther, please. Well, I just, I think that this is a kind of important uh, story to tell. And it's just kind of interesting um, because it's, Kind of the idea that we can take Luther Blissett and the ideas and use them, even if the original group isn't exactly who they are. Like, well, and I think that's what that's what they want. Yeah, they want yeah. people to use these sort of concepts to do their own thing. Right, right. So this was in 1990. So this was actually before uh, Luther Blissett, but it's like the same idea uh, in. February 15th of 1990 in Porek, Croatia, an anonymous phone call uh, calls in a group, uh, a dead person. The police arrive and find a gruesome replica of a dismembered corpse, replica being the keyword. <laughs> so gross. Yeah. Uh, 91 and 92, there are three similar simulated murders. So it is kind of interesting. You know, it's definitely art creating fake bodies, fake death, fake gruesomeness. And it's interesting that it's Croatia because they would be like coming out of the Cold War. Wasn't Croatia part of the USSR? I feel like Croatia is further south. I think because it's part of... Wait, am I... I could be wrong. I know they were a socialist republic... They were influenced by the Soviet Union. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know why I know. I think I knew someone who like spent time in Croatia. <laughs> I don't know why. Sure. I, sure. I yeah. Well, they definitely had a lot more uh, firsthand experience with maybe some uh, ideas of socialism and fascism. Yeah. I mean, up close and personal. I would say Russian socialism was pretty corrupt right we can all say that we all agree on that we probably should we are really probably in due for a russian revolution episode oh yeah so the press is kind of interested in this but there is the outbreak of the bosnian war and so people become less interested in seeing gruesome fake violence when there's real violence but um, in 1993 and 94, they do come across more fake corpses. In 1997, the Ital- an Italian website publishes the gruesome pictures of dismembered mannequins and a tribute to Serbian artist Darko Maver. It's a separate story, but it's interesting, you know. So uh, the website says that this is they're publishing photos from an eight act performance, and so. There were three simulated murders before the Bosnian War, two after, and then the um, they continued until 1997. Yeah, I think there is a connection, uh, li- like a literal connection, because the 
according to the Wikipedia, which is why I'm like, oh, I would definitely have to do a second source. But it seems like Luther Bleset and zero one zero zero one zero one 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 zero one zero one one zero one dot org, which is kind of like a Luther Bleset adjacent announced that Darko Maver himself is a work of art. So ah, okay, I okay. would say the connection, if Wikipedia is accurate here, it seems like it was an early prototype of Luther Bleset that then yes. Luther Bleset okay. manipulated. I can see that. That definitely makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, so I, I got this from a uh, copy of a like like a journal it's a journal and the article was titled cultural activism practices practices dilemmas and possibilities it's kind of talking about how this artwork can be cultural yeah i think it is interesting because it must it had to be an early prototype or like some sort of overlap and if not that just because luther bleset and the previous (laughs) binary art group have something to say about Darko Maver because if anything we've seen by them is that they do play around with already pre-existing art concepts like the Harry Kipper for instance mm-hmm. so it, regardless if it was them or not I think it definitely influenced what they were doing so it's all connected it's all connected but a more important subset of the Luther Bosset community as Bridget alluded to earlier is the Wu Ming Collective, which is a community in Bologna, Italy. It's, in fact, the unofficial capital of the Italian left, if you didn't know. I didn't. There were right-wing bombings in the city in the 70s and 80s, so it is not completely surprising that the Italian left would then arise there. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a breeding ground. Breeding ground, yes. When I was doing my research on Wu Ming, they were, it was definitely more Italian focused. And so they talked a lot about how Italians are the original believers of fake news. They are a paranoid and suspicious culture and they self-describe as behindology or obsession with conspiracy. As someone raised Catholic, I I feel like that makes a lot of sense. I, yeah, like this was one of the main, um, I guess, parallels to now. The Italian economy was doing really bad in the 90s. And so people start being paranoid and suspicious is not surprising. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely going to be some reaction to to that who's lying to us yes and so it's in that background that they talk about the anthropological counter-revolution and so the Wu Ming talks about how there is much more racism xenophobia fallenismo whateverism and that is the attitude of the people in the pubs where they're getting drunk and saying there's no difference between the left and the right the bastards are all the same and so this is where this is how the wooming and um, their collective and literature was born, which again very similar. It's also I find it also interesting because I have a friend who's she's like first generation American, I think. She she still has all this family in Italy, and she talks about like how all of her cousins are super into, and this is especially before the QAnon doc came out, but super into QAnon and into a lot of this weird right-wing stuff. So that, I feel like this also kind of tracks with what she's told me about her family. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, kind of crazy. Um, but unlike Luther Bosset, Wooming is a defined group of writers. There are actual people behind it, and uh, it is five people and uh it is wooming one through five but i will uh talk about the individuals in a second but the most important thing that the wooming uh brought about is a a genre i don't think genre is the right word uh uh, what's the word when it's like a movement a movement perhaps (laughs) movement's a good word movement uh the new italian epic 
which is uh, describes the literature that the Wu Ming was putting out from 1993 to 2008. But first, Wu Ming means anonymous in Mandarin, which makes a lot of sense and also is used by Chinese dissidents and they're trying to uh, write things that they don't want to the Chinese government to uh, figure out who's writing it. Oh, wow. So are they are they writing a lot about the Chinese then? No, it's just, I think it's just they took the name from there. I didn't see any connection to China. Oh, like Wu Ming is like a pen name that would be used in yes, China. In I China, see what you're yeah. saying. I thought exactly. you were saying the Wu Ming Foundation is writing about Chinese exploits. Oh, no, thought, no. I guess that kind of makes Wuming sense. Wu Ming is the pen name. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Um, I also read that with a different pronunciation, uh, Wu Ming means five names. That could be false, but I just thought that was kind of interesting. And Wu Ming likes to talk about how pen names is is very common. It dates back to Homer himself may have been nothing more than a collective pen name. Yeah, Homer's the everyman. Yeah, yeah. So interestingly enough, kind of like what we were talking about, these are all men. There's not a single woman in this group, which is interesting now when we look at it in 2021. Yes. But uh, Roberto Bui was wooming one. Giovanni Catabriga was wooming two. Luca Di Mayo was wooming three, who did leave the group in 2008. Federico Guglielmi was Wu Ming Four. This is not the same Federico that is an Italian music journalist. And then there was Ricardo Pedrini, who was Wu Ming Five, who left the group in 2015. But, uh, Wu Ming actually wrote quite a lot of books and even a screenplay. If you ever want to check out the 2004 movie La Vorare con Letezza? Which is called which is which is translates to working slowly, which was a socialist phrase from the seventies. Oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, because the idea was that the government was not ensuring workers protection and safety. So in order to be safe yourself, you better work slowly. Oh, that's interesting. Cause um I I feel like now that's rhetoric for why people don't want unions is because then, then their coworkers will slack off. Right. So, yeah. I've seen it's funny that how too. they've used that. Right. Ugh. No, you should be working fast in unsafe conditions yeah. instead of working slow in safe, right. protected conditions. Priorities. It's a bad time. It's a bad time. And so a lot of the articles and Things about Wu Ming talk a lot about how, why would these five men write books under a pseudonym, especially the same pseudonym? Here's a quote from Wu Ming One. So uh, this is kind of explaining why Wu Ming is Wu Ming. I'm not particularly interested in the debate on the death of the author. I don't bear any grudge against authors in and of themselves. We're authors ourselves. However, we believe the author is overrated. There's too much bad rhetoric around the author. Some of these people are too full of themselves. And there's a whole system thriving on them being full of themselves. And the public contemplating in awe their selfish attitude. I think that's very true. Yeah, very Especially true. as we've talked before about Harry Potter, how that's been very wild to follow. Yes, yes, it is. It is almost like we should have paid attention to wooming or it happened. <laughs> and don't put people on pedestal. Yeah, yeah, I think we're all learning that now. Oh, boy. Yeah. Our fun, fun story. The collective denies rumors that they once beat up a press photographer. <laughs> that's weird it's like did they start that rumor so that people will think they're like bigger than they are i don't know like oh no we're like this modest group and we definitely didn't beat up any photographers no their denial goes like this well it never happened but it's true that like ada abu tai in lawrence of arabia or king kong in the famous gala opening scene we're no camera mongers. We don't go on TV either. We're shy. Supposedly, they don't want the spotlight. 
I don't know if this is actually the latest creation, but one of the later creations was a book called Manitwana, which was published in 2007, which I uh, think that Bridget and I should read because it sounds very interesting. And it was translated into English because it talks about a group of Iroquois that allied themselves with the British during independence in America. So it is a reflection on recent history, the recent history in 2007, including the Bush administration and our American hypernationalism and the widening gap between Europe and America, which I think is still happening. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what's, I don't know. I If I'm just, I, I've, most people would describe themselves now as a centrist. I just think you could go to hell. So yeah, that gap is widening. Yeah. Uh, interesting thing about Manitwana is that they, Wu Ming, encouraged their readers to join the fictional wor- world by submitting fan fiction. And not only fan fiction, but fan videos or music. They wanted people to join together to create more of the Manitwana world. So in the months and years that followed, they received uh, selected and published writings of Manitwana fan fiction, pretty much. Oh, see, that's like pretty wild because I feel like they, this group didn't exist to us like a month ago. And now it's like they had a whole fan fiction world. <laughs> pretty crazy. And this is, uh, I get most of my um, information from a interview and the interviewer is kind of shocked by this and i maybe because it's um like around 2007 but they're like how can you publish fan fiction it has such a bad reputation and all of that but wooming does not care and the interviewer says but aren't you afraid of creating hierarchy of fan work only certain uh, fans are published versus the unapproved ones. But in matter of fact, they have published uh, almost all of what they received. And there's only two cases where stuff was rejected in the case that it was badly written. And so they wrote back and asked them to do some work improving the quality of their output. And these articles were later. So they really are all, They there is no ego here at all that's funny that is that is so 2007 to discount fan fiction exactly it is and to ask them that question you know that was like that journalist gotcha moment i know i know i thought it was very funny one of the harry potter podcasts that i listen to uh has a fan fiction writer on there and they were talking about recently how previously they were, if they were, they were working with publishers, you know, getting books published. And the main, like, the thought, the prevailing thought was that you deleted all of your fan fiction off the internet before you went to a publisher. And nowadays you keep it up and publishers think that, oh, there's all these people reading your shit on the internet. Oh, maybe we'll publish you. Secret world now for that. Yeah. Original work versus like, already creating in another person's universe mm, but in case you worried that these people strayed too far from luther Bosset, they do say that in the only circumstance where we would use ethics as a consideration would be if our creations were hijacked to repackage and spread fascist and racist ideologies in that case our reaction would be violent and don't they publish like pamphlets and guides they're not just publishing books right aren't they doing like all-encompassing materials and all with like some sort of with the same sort of themes of that of luther said yeah yeah definitely and um there are just a few um translations to english but of course it's all free it's all under the creative commons license so if you want to go to their website, maybe we can link it in the show notes. Um, you can get all the books. Like if we wanted to go read Q if you want, um, they also have that on. Yeah, I was thinking about doing that for sure. But I'm kind of more interested in the Manitwana because I just find that idea that people would be, um, the, the, the people who are on the 
British Empire side, but not for reasons of like, I love the British people. So was that a fictional story though, or is that based on something that really happened? Yes, I believe it's based on something that really happened. It was taken from history, but then, you know, historical fiction. Because I think there's multiple cases of that. Yeah, yeah, I I believe I've also heard that. That's something we definitely should go down. Yeah, I think it's really, really interesting for sure. But that's all I have on Wooming. But I thought it was important that we talked about it just because it's, I mean, it's, it's more, it's definitely what's in the public eye nowadays that Luther Bosset has kind of faded a little bit. After going over the hoaxes, talking about their new identity, what are your your feelings about this group? I mean, I think they're great, but um, I mean, I think that I probably, I am just like the way that I, my, my, like my personality just meshes more with looming because it's more about writing and I don't know, you know? Yeah. I'm less likely to hop on a bus and claim I'm Luther Bosset. That was the thing I was coming to when I was reading about Wu Ming is by the nature of being material that you read online and being very niche, it's going to limit who that attracts versus like Luther Bosset, which was definitely way more impactful. And I definitely think we need more, more movements. Sure, I totally I agree. But I, I do think it is I'm I, I kind of skipped over this, but the new Italian epic is pretty important. It is studied in academic circles. There was an entire convention on it previously. So it is and and I think that's probably my elitism showing or something like wow, it matters that universities are talking about it. No, it doesn't. But, like, I just think it's interesting. I think you do favor academia a lot, but I think that that's just goes back to your values of education. Yes, I do think it's really important. I think that that's why, I mean, that's why I think I have the values that I have, because I read books yeah. and get ideas from them. Yeah, I definitely think we need to make education more attainable for more people because which now they're saying they might give free college to families who make under 125,000 a year they should absolutely do that 100 did you know that you used to have to pay to go to high school and that's why that's why people dropped out of high school i had no idea wow that's crazy and and i don't believe that everyone needs to go to college i'm not like I think that people should be able to survive on whatever employment they have. Yeah, agreed. And I think if you do decide to become extra certified or extra knowledgeable, I don't know why we would charge people that when you look at the disparity between the rich and even middle America. Yeah, it is. uh, I mean... You mentioned this. I don't, we didn't really go into it, but if you're you're it's the people uh, you're starting from zero and you're taking out loans like you're never going to catch up. People aren't going to catch up if you keep on throwing roadblocks in their way. So what do you, what what are your feelings? What are your feelings on Luther Bosset, Bridget? I I think I'm going to bring them back, man. Start my own art movement. You should. I agree with you. That's like the sort of thing that. I wish happened in my 20s. Right, yeah. Kind of like even now, like going to demonstrations now in my 30s, it's like I would have loved this sort of shit in my 20s, but like in your 30s, I mean, I'm trying to like think about how to complain (laughs) while being so privileged. But like the there's a lot more safety involved, I guess is what I'm saying. Like in my twenties, I'd be like, arrest me. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. In my thirties, it's like, okay, are people safe? Do people need water? Like I'm, I'm more on the nerd crew than yes. I would have been in my twenties. Yeah. But I think that's good because I think that all movements need people who are considering those things as opposed to 
people who are just running headfirst into trouble. Yeah. Even if it might not be quite as fun. When the gang gets back together, please call me a Luther. Here waiting for you. I hope uh, you, uh, you enjoyed this episode on Luther Poset and you learned something, listener, because I definitely did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I learned a lot and definitely surprised we never heard about this sooner. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to plug your tax services? Sure. Well, you can find me on the internet at mollymm 9 but you can also check out my website at m3virtualaccounting.com in case you were curious. You can also find me on Facebook if you really wanted to. I'm also there with a little bit of a business page on there. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions. If you want to set up a meeting with me, I am uh, available to answer accounting and tax questions. But um, how about you, Bridget? Where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bridget underscore suck it and get some of my socialist rants and sometimes jokes. And you can follow the podcast at sex with ghosts underscore on. You find those on Instagram and Twitter. And then you can also email us any thoughts, concerns, feelings, stories you want us to share, just want to share with us sex with ghosts podcast at gmail.com. And we do have a form out. If you would like to fill it out, give us some feedback on our episodes. And thank you to those who have already filled out that form is definitely very helpful for us. Thank you. You'll one of you will get a treat. And you can support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash sex with ghosts. And we have a hangout tonight. Yeah, I was gonna say that too, but then I was like, no. Heck yeah. We have a Patreon hangout where we play drinking games and shoot shit with you, the listeners. We've also turned it into a little bit of a mini sode. So we'll talk about some weird thing as well. So you can learn a little bit more while you're at it. Heck yeah. All right. Um, Yeah. Thank you. Bye.